0: almost there it is all right here we are we're here welcome everybody thank you so much for joining us we are gonna have another awesome show today we're talking about the curative effect of therapy we know we got a lot of therapists to come on the show thank god for that uh and we're gonna learn about how it can save your life here we go let's jump in let's have some fun all right practicing polyamory real-life perspectives from the imperfect people of polyamory The mission of the Practicing Polyamory podcast is to provide a platform for all of the real-life flawed humans that practice polyamory so that we might all learn from one another and grow as a community. Enjoy the show. All right, all right, we're back. We're here. It's another beautiful, beautiful Tuesday. Uh, If you are joining us here for the first time, welcome and thank you so much for tuning in. And if you've been with us for a while, then you already know we're live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Three opportunities every week for you to ask questions. So if you have any questions about your relationships or if there's a topic you'd like to hear discussed on the show, slide into my DMs, let me know, or leave a comment while we're recording live. Follow the show on all social media platforms at Practicing PracticingPolyA. Let me know what it is that you want us to talk it about. And as always, I want to remind you, if you're listening to this podcast, you are a welcome guest to be on the show. None of us are perfect, and we're here to share our imperfect stories because the more stories we share, the more others will see us in themselves, and the more representation we have, the more we can strengthen our community. So go to PracticingPolyamory.com, sign up to share your imperfect story too. All right, everybody, that's my daily spiel. Let's get on and introduce our guest. Today's guest has a deep passion for the power of therapy because without exaggeration, without exaggeration, therapy saved his life. Our guest works primarily with LGBTQ folks and has a particular fondness for helping people navigate non-monogamous relationships. His work is informed by his personal experiences with those he serves. And as a trans man, feminist, polyam, and kinky human, our guest has had quite the life experience. He understands that when clients come to see him, they have important feelings to share, and it's often hard to undo the patterns of self-neglect. Our guest helps you tell people your truths, practicing self-care that goes beyond the superficial and helping you embrace your inner bitch and discover just how juicy life can be. Tune in today to hear how life-changing therapy can be, how our guest can help you create a plan for your life's journey, and how together you can work toward more pleasure, more security, and more joy, joining us today from the greatest city in the world—that's New York for non-Hamilton fans. Welcome to the show, Kieran Grossman. Oh my
1: God!
0: <laughs> Kieran, thank you so much for hanging out with me today.
1: Oh my goodness, thank you so much for uh, for reading that. i I've, I've never heard my copy that I wrote. Uh read back to me and you did it. I literally got goosebumps listening to you. That was incredible. <laughs> <laughs>
0: hey, you know, I, I can hardly take credit for it. Like you said, it's your copy. You wrote it. I just messed with it and kind of reconfigured it so I could say it out loud.
1: But oh, that's uh,
0: great. thank you so much. Uh, the the work that you are doing, the work that you've done, uh, your journey, you know, uh, let's start with hearing a little bit about your journey. Tell us a little bit about uh, your own experience with therapy and how you know, how it saved your life. Let's just start with that.
1: Sure. Um, Yeah. So I was a very high achieving kid who sort of, that was how I got my sense of being okay in the world was achieving. And that worked for, for a while. Um, I graduated from an Ivy league university and then sort of just hit this wall of just like, did not know what I was gonna do with my life. So, you know, all my friends are going and becoming doctors and lawyers. And I literally was teaching yoga, you know, and it was Mm -hmm. like, oh my, you know, which is like, it's look, no shade to to teaching yoga, but it was not sort of the, uh, it was not the life that I had envisioned for myself.
0: If you're good at something, never do it for free.
1: (laughs) It's it's not a doctor or a lawyer, right? (laughs) Exactly, it's not a doctor or a lawyer. You can't, you know, and so, yeah, it was just sort of, you know, and it was getting to the point where I was like, okay, it's cute if you do it for a year or two. But it was like, probably, I don't know, I'd been doing it for like three or four years. And it was just like, Jesus Christ, um, what am I, you know, like, what am I going to do? And then at the same time, I was, um, you know, I just was like, desperate, I was desperate to sort of have relationships that were, you know, fulfilling and and loving and, I didn't have the the relationship skills to do it. Like I literally had never mm-hmm. successfully had a fight with a partner. Um, so it was like we would date for a year or two and then we'd have our first fight and I didn't have the tools for navigating that. And so then we would break up and I would be heartbroken. And then, you know, I would like try again with the, with the next person. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so it's just been a long, slow process of sort of like learning how to show up for myself, how to sort of articulate what is, what is true for me, mm-hmm. while staying present for, for hearing what is true for, for the other person. Um, and, you know, when you're able to do that, when you're able to articulate what's true for you, first, you have to know what's true for you, then you have right. to be able to articulate it. And then you have to be able to also sort of hold steady when when the other person or other people are articulating what's true for them um, so that you're not getting too activated. Then you can, like the, the combinations that are possible sort of, then that's when we really have the most choice of, oh, this is what actually profoundly works for me in a mm-hmm. relationship. Um, and so that's been an amazing journey to get to a place with, to have these skills that on some level, seem like they're so basic. And on the other hand, I was never taught to, I was never taught them. So I, I right. didn't know how to do them until i learned how to do them basically.
0: Yeah. I mean, not to, not to, to, um, minimize your, your, your story or anything, but what you're telling me right now, it sounds like, you know, uh, good ways to manage relationships, good ways to kind of manage our lives and like, you know, just some general things, but, I mean when we talk about therapy saving saving your life like what what does that mean and yeah. and uh how is it that 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 your practice that you've seen people's lives get saved through the curative effects of therapy
1: Yeah thank thanks for for asking um I was pretty I was, what is like what this, the word is this slimic, which basically means low grade depression. So I wasn't mm-hmm. depressed in the sense of like, you know, I never lost a day of work. I, you know, I was always able to to get up and, and function, but there were literally probably 15 years of my life from about 20 to 35 where like, literally, if, you know, I was like, kind of like, this is, is this it? Like, cause if this is it, I'm not, you know, like if I could just be done with this, um, I'd be happy to, I'd be happy to be done right now. Like it it just didn't feel like it was so un. I don't know. I want, I mean, there were definitely like peak moments, right? Like there were moments of intense pleasure. There were moments of connection. There were moments of joy, but the overall sense was, it just was so painful to be a person in the world and to sort of feel so sort of perpetually misunderstood. And, you know, part of that I think is, because I was a queer person, because I was a trans person, but I wasn't out as trans yet. So there were still a lot of ways in which I was really trying to come to a place of knowing what is true for me. Um, That, yeah, just like, if you had told me, like, actually, life will be be pleasurable and it will be a source of joy and something that you're, like, jazzed about doing, I would have just, I would have thought that was a ridiculous statement.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. So, like, If we're looking at it on a scale of like one to 10, where 10 is super happy and zero is, you know, super depressed, uh, I guess like a quote unquote normal person would, you know, basically range between like four, five, six, and then, you know, moments of tens and moments of zero, but ranging around that four, five, six. Whereas in your life, you were more like one, two, three, or, you know, (laughs) point, yeah,
1: point five, whatever. Like, yeah, point five, definitely on the low end.
0: You would still experience the highs and the lows, but mostly staying on the low end. So you, you found therapy that really helped. And, you know, uh, speaking to the queer experience, right, yeah. I, I can't speak to it. I, I just, you know, want to learn from you uh, what that experience is. What is it that um, I, I guess that queer folks should expect or should ask for? when getting into therapy uh, to, as you said, discover who they really are and find that authenticity within themselves?
1: Yeah, th- thanks, for, thanks for asking that question. I think it's okay, especially sort of with, um, with the movement away from sort of in-person sessions. Um, that's actually great for people who want therapy because it means suddenly they have access to a much wider array of people who they can do therapy with. So let's say yeah. that they, you know, let's say they're in a they're in a smaller town or or something like that. Like it kind of doesn't matter because suddenly you can work with people who live in the bi- in the big city. So you'll have access to way more therapists. And I think it's profoundly okay to want a queer therapist. I think it's profoundly mm-hmm. okay to want someone who sort of like when you look at them, you say, yeah, this is who I would want my, this is who I imagine I'd want what I'd want my life to be like in, you know, 10 or 15 years or five years or Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, So I tend to see a lot of younger sort of like, you know, trans masculine clients. And I think it's because they see in me, like there's sort of some hope, you know, like, Oh, wow. Like this person seems like they have it together. You know, obviously I don't have it all together, but, have way more have it, way more together than I did when I was in my, you know, mid twenties. And so, and that's, and that's profoundly okay. You're, you're allowed to sort of um, be picky so that you can have someone who sort of mirrors some parts of your experiences that, that that's important. And that mirroring actually can be very, very useful and, and lovely when it happens.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. I feel like that's definitely important to be able to uh, to relate in that way. I mean, if, if I was, uh, you know, cis hetero therapist and somebody came to me with, with, you know, trans queer non-binary issues, I don't have necessarily the life experience that you do to be able to share and, and help guide them through that stuff. So, um, I imagine that's why your, your heart is in that community. Um, something that we, kind of talked about before is uh, some of the things that you're seeing in your practice is uh, a, I don't know if I want to say a pattern, but uh, but that you've seen people in polyamorous relationships or people in relationships who are discovering within themselves that they have this queer or uh, trans, non-binary, whatever identity that they're coming to terms with. Can you tell me a little bit about what you've been seeing about what that experience has been uh for your clients and and I guess how you're helping to guide them through.
1: Yeah, th- thanks for thanks for bringing that up. I guess I'm just I'm so shocked by what it was like for me as a as a trans person to sort of come into feeling like it was okay to be trans. I mean, I went to Brown, I went to a very liberal university and I remember even there sort of feeling like I think if I transitioned, like I would not sort of, it would not be okay. Um, And even within my own personal relationship, I was, you know, I dated a woman for for 10 years and I didn't transition until we broke up. And I think it was because I didn't give myself the internal permission to imagine what that would even be like within the context of that relationship. And Mm -hmm. what I've seen recently is just, you know, there's like, this you know like a c- 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 cis dude I'm doing couple therapy with this one with this one couple and it's just like you know there he's just like a presumably you know cis heterosexual guy and his partner just came out as non-binary and the level of sort of just like care and sort of like sweetness that he is sort of embracing that change with is so mind blowing and, and sweet to me. Like it's really just, it's sort of a level of acceptance that is almost impossible for me to have imagined, you know, even, even 10 years ago. Um, and I just love that that seems like, obviously not in all spaces, you know, but in some spaces, it seems like that's actually the normal. And that to me is just incredible. Um, and the way that polyamory, you know, come, comes into that is because a lot of people who come out as, as trans, you know, want to sort of experiment with what does it mean to be, you know, sexual with people who are maybe, you know, are no longer, there's, there's just a desire often that goes along with transitioning to, for wanting to experiment, you know, Mm -hmm. with a wider variety of people, sort of, and to sort of see... And to feel like there is both internal and external permission for that to be okay um, is really it's just it's so breathtaking and and beautiful to watch
0: yeah, yeah uh, w- what you said about uh, giving yourself permission, learning that it's first of all that it's okay to be trans uh, and then giving yourself that that internal permission uh, to to come out and to live your life that way um you know what? I, I want to just kind of start with that. Can you tell me a little bit about your experience with that, and maybe what you're seeing uh, with with your clients that you're talking about uh, that that moment where it's like, you know what? This is what's true to me. This is what's going to make me happy. Uh, what is what is that experience like for somebody who has been battling it for so long or fighting it for so long, not giving themselves that permission? to kind of walk through that door and say, okay, this is what I'm going to do. What's that like?
1: Yeah. Um, so I think when I came out as trans, and I came out as trans probably six years ago, so in my late 30s, um, no one was surprised. I was someone who, mm-hmm. you know, had been, a, had been a tomboy. Then I was a Butch Dyke. I wrote my undergraduate thesis on transsexual autobiography. I did my, um, you know, my graduate research on gender swapping on sort of playing a character of the opposite sex on this you know website called Second Life um, no one was shocked by it but for me it was just so clear that it wasn't I couldn't be sure that within the context of this relationship and I don't know that this is true um, that I w- it wouldn't be okay um, mm-hmm. and so when when that relationship ended it was really kind of amazing to you know just be able to like talk with my prescriber and be like hey I think I want to start you know experimenting with testosterone which I'm pretty sure is something that like you know people who are not trans don't want to do maybe they do right. I don't know maybe maybe they'll you know write right in and let me know that that's that that's not the case but and then it was like kind of amazing because suddenly I was in my late you know I was in my late 30s and I was sort of like starting to take testosterone and I was like on you know I was dating sort of like and suddenly i was dating but i had like the the horniness level of a you know of like a teenager but sort of like the social <laughs> skills of a grown up and like the the money of a grown up and it it was like so amazing you know like it was so it was so fun um and you know and i got lots of sort of i was interacting with people for whom for mostly for whom that was okay um mm-hmm. so i don't know that it's ever sort of like a I think you take like little mini steps, you know, and then you sort of see how, how it feels. So like okay. when I was starting testosterone, it wasn't like a, you know, I'm trans, I'm going to transition like bum, 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 boom. It was like, wow, well, I just kind of am curious to see what this would be like. And then for a while it was like, oh, I'm going to experiment with using they, them pronouns. Um, mm-hmm. And then I'm going to start, you know, then I'm going to tell, you know, people who I think it are going to be really easy for them to hear. And then I'm going to tell people for whom it's going to be harder to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think there's like this internal permission that that you get. But then the process of transition is, it kind of takes a long time. So it's something that you do sort of, you know, repeatedly over days, over days, over weeks, over months, over years.
0: So it's really not, uh, like I said, walking through a door. It's more like... Uh, a staircase you you said there's many <laughs> yes, there's yes. many steps and uh it almost sounds like you have to give yourself permission at every step
1: yeah i think that's super super important and then also another thing that i think is really important for a lot of people um especially early on in transition is just sort of trying as much as possible to appreciate where you are because there's mm-hmm. the hope right like there's oh, especially for people that are like yes i think i'm trans i finally want to do it and you take your first shot or whatever and it's you know nothing changes like right. you know your your first year if if you're lucky in your first year you'll pass but you might not and that mm-hmm. that's just the reality of it and so it's there's also this sort of this added period of really living in a space and this is for people obviously that are, that are binary. Um, but like living in a space where, yeah, you're not sort of as masculine as you would like, or, or as feminine as you, as you would like. And you know, people are pretty shitty to, in general, yeah. people are pretty shitty to people like that. And I don't even yeah. think it's like necessarily on purpose, but there's just like one of the things that I loved, loved, loved about finally, having been on tea long enough was it was like, nobody saw me. Suddenly I was invisible. And I had mm. just been stared at for like my entire life because I had been, you know, a butch dyke for, for all of it. And even when it wasn't filled with animosity, it just was like, it was different, you know? So it would be like, visually, people would always just be sort of like, trying to trying to check me out and sort of, you know, having whatever reaction they were having. And it's been so nice to, even though I'm very out as a trans person, since then to just sort of get to be able to walk down the street and not, you know, and have that level of invisibility. Any,
0: any advice that you might give to somebody who's in that transition process where they are getting those stairs. I imagine that's, you know, tough to say the very least uh, to deal with Um, any advice that you might give to somebody to help them cope with that a little bit better.
1: Yeah. um, I think as much sort of social support as you can get. So if you're in a, if you're in a big city, most, um, you know, like the LGBT center will certainly have something probably if you're on a small, if you're in a smaller town, um, there's really good online support that's happening Mm -hmm. now. And so really just sort of seeking out other, other people um, and especially other, I think other trans people can be, can be super, super helpful. And then also making sure that the people around you are at least you know supportive enough like you can't you can't expect people to sort of like get it overnight but there should be movement towards sort of using your right pronouns using you know using a new name if you have it um and yeah people who are sort of wanting more to support you in what you're going through as opposed to you know a obviously trying to convince you that what you're doing is wrong but also like wanting to make it more about them and their experiences of, oh my God, this is so hard for me, you know, like, mm-hmm. you don't, you don't really need to, to take that on, especially during, during the first year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it really is about creating that support network, surrounding yourself with people that, that are supportive and are going to uh, I, I guess, cheer you on and and not drag you down. Um, the other thing that I wanted to ask you about was uh, you mentioned using uh, polyamory is kind of, uh, kind of a solution. You said, uh, we when we were talking about that internal permission, first is that internal permission to just be trans, And the other is giving ourselves the internal permission to explore what that means in our relationships. Um, I don't know if the couple that you were talking about, if prior to this, uh, realization, were they monogamous? And if so, uh, let's just, let's just talk about it from like a monogamous, you know, hetero standpoint. And so we get, you know, one partner who uh, is discovering that they, that they are in fact trans or queer or what, or uh, what have you, and they're making that transition. And as part of it, they want to do that exploration of relationships. What, uh, what kinds of things are, are, are those couples going through and what do you tell them?
1: Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, it's sort of just the general, the general stuff, but go really, really slowly. Um, Make sure that at least both, you know, both people ideally should feel at least neutral. If both people can feel even a little bit positive about it or sort of have something about it that will feel good to them, um, there's a much, much better chance that that's going to be successful than if one Mm -hmm. person is doing it and the other person is, you know, just sort of like. Oh well if you must or whatever you know sort of right sort of covering um covering their noses and then also you know I think honestly doing it with sort of the help of a professional if you can if you can afford it is like Mm -hmm. so important because there's going to be you know it's this is all stuff that I'm sure I'm not telling you anything you don't know but it's you know it's never going to be the stuff that the the 16 point rules that you came up with or you know making sure that you feel safe or whatever in order to keep the the supremacy of the of the couple it's going to be the right. the thing that you never expected that just blindsides you and that you know <laughs> sends you into into a fit of rage um and yeah. i think the the other thing that you know is just super important is to just normalize jealousy just be like yeah you know what like jealousy is something that happens it happens in a lot of our relationships, and it doesn't mean, oh my God, this person has to stop you know, doing exactly what they're doing. It more just can serve as a check-in for, hey, oh, isn't, that, isn't that interesting? There's something going on here that's, that's sort of tweaking me. And especially when you bring in sort of like childhood traumas and stuff like that, it can be a tremendous opportunity for growth, but it has to be within the context of it feeling safe enough that... You know, the people can be vulnerable with each other mm-hmm. and they can really sort of trust that, yeah, this is going to be someone who's going to, who's going to sort of hold, who's going to hold me in, in the pain and not sort of use it, you know, uh, they're not going to throw it back in my face.
0: I love it. I love it. Karen, this has been such a wonderful conversation. I really want to thank you so much for, uh, your insight and, and what you're bringing to the table. Um, is there, oh, listen, uh, love listening to this kind of conversation. Have a doctor appointment right away. Oh, well, thank you for tuning in sneaky tooth 50. Appreciate you. (laughs) Um, but, uh, and, and they're right. This has been an an amazing conversation. I really appreciate, uh, like I said, everything that you've brought to the table. Um, is there any last thoughts, uh, that you might want to leave with our, our, you know, maybe baby, uh, trans baby queers, uh, you know, uh, (laughs) folks that are that are starting to walk into here maybe something that i missed or something that i forgot to ask last last thoughts um
1: this is so weird that this is where i'm going with this but um people are like trans right now is undergoing a revolution and um i think especially for some of the younger queers there's a lot of self-righteousness that i see um and sort of a sense of like, oh my God, I can't believe that it's taking it's taking them as long as it's taking them to get it. And maybe just a little, uh, a little gentleness, just sort of, I don't know that younger that younger baby queers can actually sort of understand how profoundly things have shifted, especially when it comes to polyamory and transness over the last 10 or 15 years. Like yeah. we're just at such a different place. And you know yeah, you want to be have people around that are supportive and also a little bit of gentleness with, with some of the older people, um, I think can, can also go a long way towards healing some of those, uh, intergenerational rifts.
0: I love that. No, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, what was it? 60s, 70s, uh, that stonewall and all of that, you know, where, where things really started, but absolutely. I agree with you in the last 10 or 15 years, uh there's been there's been a huge shift and, and it's still there's still a lot of people that hold on to old ideologies. Um it's it's tough, but thank you for, for that. I that's that's uh interesting that you went there.
1: <laughs> it, is. it was such a weird yeah. thing, it was not what I expected to say.
0: Yeah, I, I love it though, I love it. Uh Kieran, last thing here. Um Oh, all right. Sneaking tooth, cool. Well, sneaking tooth is saying he would love to talk to both of us. Uh, they would let, like to talk to both of us later. Uh, so, in that case, if somebody wants to get in touch with you, Kieran, if somebody wanted to chat with you, uh, maybe get your help as as a therapist or, or uh, you know whatever it might be. Uh, especially for our listening audience, not everybody can watch. What is yep. the best way for folks to get in touch with you?
1: Sure, uh, email is always good. It's a little complicated, but K I E r a n underscore g r o s m a n at yahoo.com um you know what google kieran grossman k-i-e-r-a-n g-r-o-s-m-a-n you'll get my website and it has a contact form they can they can either call me from that or they can just shoot me an email using uh using that any of those ways is fine
0: perfect that'll work that'll work um well, thank you again, Kieran, so much. This has been, seriously, such a such an amazing conversation. Uh, so much really good insight. And I just appreciate you spending the time with me uh, here this afternoon, this evening.
1: It was lovely. Thanks so much for your good questions. I really
0: appreciate yeah. it. Awesome. And thank you as always to our live audience for tuning in. As a reminder, when we're live, you get no commercial interruptions, but the same can be said for the podcast downloads. So if you want to avoid the commercial interruptions, be sure to catch us live Monday through Wednesday, 2.30 Pacific time, or sign up for Patreon where you'll get access to our commercial free RSS feed and support the show. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube, wherever it is that you download your podcast. If you haven't already, please leave us a review. That is all we've got for you all today. for, uh, what was their name, Sneaking Tooth. If you want to get in touch with me, shoot me a message at PracticingPollyA everywhere, practicingpollier at gmail.com. Either one of those works. Thank you all, as always. Until tomorrow. Have a nice day!